1: It was, you know, two o'clock in the morning and the red carpet was rolled out and we realised our timing could not have been more perfect and so we decided that we were going
0: to stay and in short, we wanted to pap him and I'm not exactly sure how I thought it would pan out but I didn't realise just how many goons Putin had. Hey, Laura Murphy-Oates here, coming to you from Gadigal Land and this is the Full Story Summer Series, The Tale I Dine Out On. We've asked 10 of our favourite storytellers, including actors, comedians, writers and more, to share an extraordinary story. Today, we have Guardian Australia senior journalists Sarah Martin and Tori Shepard on how following Malcolm Turnbull to Hamburg led to a run-in with Vladimir Putin. I'm Tori Shepherd. I'm a senior journalist at Guardian Australia. I spent a long time at the advertiser as a political editor. And when I was a small child, I met Sarah Martin and mistakenly believed she was my cousin until relatively recently. And now we both work at The Guardian. My name's
1: Sarah Martin. I'm also a senior journalist with Guardian Australia and recovering from almost 10 years in Canberra. And I knew that Tori was not my cousin. Um, (laughs) So I was able to fact check that reasonably early when we met again as adults.
0: So long story short, we have been friends for a very long time. uh, And now we work together. Maybe, maybe we should start with the fact that I was a
1: political editor at the West Australian at the time, and Tory was political editor of the Advertiser
0: mm-hmm. at the time. And what we used to do was go on trips with the Prime Minister of the time.
1: But this particular trip was for the G20 which was held in Hamburg in
0: 2017. But whenever the Prime Minister travels overseas, well almost every time, there is some kind of media delegation particularly for a big meeting like this which means a representative from most of the bigger media organisation travels alongside. We pay for ourselves, we are not, um, you know, we don't get treated to a trip or anything and it's a fascinating, unusual and very intense sort of trip like you are running on adrenaline yeah you're so tired all the time you're hopping off planes and straight into you know press conferences you know you're up before the crack of dawn and it's and you're filing at weird times at the night and you're always dehydrated and hungry and you can't fulfill any of your bodily needs Mm. but you know the world needs to hear what our prime minister or australia needs to hear what the prime minister is up to while he's there and the, the the g20 i mean that's you know the top 20 economic countries i think they're at 21 now and a very important job to get whatever story is coming out of them. And like
1: all G20 protests, there's always anti-capitalist protests. And I think the Hamburg one, the the official name of the protest was Welcome to Hell.
0: The the tourism board did not approve that. (laughs) (laughs) So we were following Malcolm Turnbull all over the shop, and it was a very exciting G20. We had Donald Trump there in his amazing bulletproof car with spare bags of blood in case something happened. And and there was also, I remember the, what, what, is it Marine One, the the chopper overhead as well? So hectic security, really tight security, both because, you know, the leaders of the 20 most advanced economic countries were in the one one place, but also because I think there are always anti-G20 riots and protests, but Mm. this year, 2017, there had been violent protests and, you know, the German police were out in force and there were injuries and arrests and Molotov cocktails, so we were kind of theoretically locked down. And it was
1: particularly volatile because Trump and Putin were going to be there. And there was obviously, you know, at the time there was a lot of discussion about... um, you know the fact that these two particular leaders were representing their countries at the G20 and what that meant for the fate of
0: democracy. Yes, <laughs> and climate change was another big issue mm. that I think people were fired up about. Well, as soon as we got in, there were just you know double lines of storm. Tro- you know they look mm. like stormtroopers, the hardcore riot police. Like that is some crazy, and there were hundreds and hundreds of them. And from
1: memory, that by the time we got to s- that particular area, I think the worst of the riots had passed. We weren't sort of in the thick of a riot. Like We were sort of there in the aftermath where there were still... Yeah, you know, the cars Molotov, were still burning. Yeah, cars were burning, Molotov cocktails were still being thrown, the police were trying to um, contain the situation.
0: Yeah, the whole thing did feel a bit like it a... It was a bit surreal, um, post-apocalyptic kind of vibes. Yeah, like we were extras in a movie. Yeah. So we all got into our fancy-schmancy hotel in the, the green zone, the safe zone, I think they called it, where we mm. all sort of, you know, patted down and declared safe to go through. And I think our little orientation talk mostly consisted of, please don't leave the safe zone. There are riots out there. It's pretty dangerous. Better just settle in and um, have a quiet whiskey and go to sleep. At which point Sarah and I looked at each other and went, let's go. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs>
1: Where did we start? We started sort of around the Reaper Barn area, which I'm pretty sure is not too far from where the Hamburg fish market is, which was also there'd been um, some fairly serious protests in that part of the city. And I guess it was sort of, you know, we were part... Part journos, part tourists, because Mm. we hadn't seen that part of the world before. We were interested to get a taste of what the city felt like for reporting purposes, as well as for, you know, for shits and giggles.
0: Um. (laughs) It was a balmy evening in Hamburg and we Mm. wanted to get amongst it.
1: That's right. And then we started around a street in uh, the Reaper Barn called Herbertstrasse. And Herbertstrasse was a street where- um, Well, we
0: didn't know. We saw no, no women allowed. And we went, mm. not dissimilarly to how we decided to venture out in the first place. We were, no women allowed. Let's go. Let's go. So, so
1: basically it's a street and I think about 250 women who work on the street. At either end of the street are these really high barricades, sort of walls, I guess, but they're not really walls. They're made of, I don't know- Cement board or something. Anyway, it's kind of pre- rubberneckers basically. Pretend, they just don't want pretend people. walls with signs <laughs> on the on either side of the street saying no women or men under the age of
0: 18 allowed and it was very similar to the red light district in amsterdam for those of you who've been there it's lots of sex workers in in windows it was it sort of had a bit of a warm welcoming you know it's like you're looking into sort of no no no, no. We'll, we'll get to that i just on first entering this nice kind of cobbled street with sort of warm lights and you know women in the window we had a, there was a couple of seconds where it seemed Welcoming, uh, Pleasant but,
1: enough. Yes. It was barricaded off because in the 30s the Nazis tried to hide it.
0: Let's put a little fig leaf Just on it. Just pretend it doesn't, it's not there. <laughs> exactly. Just walk past those, yeah. those tall
1: walls. There's nothing to see yeah. here, people. As we were walking down the street, the women started throwing water
0: at us. So they all had op- windows that could open onto the street. Mm. Various, multiple women opened their windows. They were obviously upset with us at this stage. We had no idea really why. And, um, well, other than the fact that we'd ignored the sign yes. to not go in, did I already use the word hapless? Anywho, <laughs> yeah, and so there was sort of streams of water coming at us from multiple directions. It was one of those things where it was such a surprise that I wasn't sort of you, you know, Sarah was being very agile and dodging the streams, and I think I was just like, I think you were giggling. Mm-hmm. I, in times of stress, I often giggle inanely. <laughs> So as I'm gradually getting more and more saturated and Sarah is somehow avoiding the streams, um, it became quite clear that we were not meant to be there and that while we had thought we were doing some feminist transgressive thing by going to this area that said no women allowed, the only people we were sort of pissing off were actual women as well. And people were yelling at us, the women were yelling at us and it was very clear that we will not will come <laughs> So I think we probably, I don't know if we ran, but we certainly picked up the pace. heading towards two o'clock in the morning we decided better get back to the safe zone because we did have a whole g20 to cover in the morning so getting back in security checks patted down that's fine we get to the hotel and we see red carpet and a russian flag well, I guess one thing we,
1: we already knew because a- accommodation at the G20 was in very high demand and Australia, the Australian delegation had sh- was sharing the hotel with the Russian delegation. We knew that much earlier in the night. So we knew that we were all staying in the same hotel. and It was kind of weird because there were certain floors of the hotel that were all booked out by Russian goons and like everywhere you walked, there were just like these, they look like baddies in Yes. American movies. Or
0: like archetypes in a James Bond film. Yeah, I was going to say like (laughs) the classic like baddie from a Bond film.
1: So yeah, we knew we were sharing the hotel with the Russians. And so when we came back at two o'clock in the morning and we saw the red carpet and we saw the Russian flag and we saw the hotel manager getting ready to welcome an official delegation, it didn't, even in our slightly inebriated state, I think we... It was pretty clear. Yeah, we were still able able to join the dots. And we knew it wasn't Turnbull and the only other leader staying at the hotel Mm. was Putin. So we were clever like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, we were going to approach him, doorstop him. Yeah, we thought we might heckle, yell out a few questions. Yeah, in short, we wanted to pap him, which is short for paparazzi. We just wanted to kind of...
1: Take a photo. Yeah. Yeah, get up his
0: grill so we looked at each other. In my memory, and you know, memory can be notoriously faulty. In my memory, we both sort of saw the red carpet. We saw the big VIP cars again with Russian flags in the window. We saw a Russian flag. And we looked at each other and went, Putin's about to rock up.
1: Yeah. So it was peculiar because it was, you know, two o'clock in the morning and the hotel manager was there and the red carpet was rolled out and we were we realised our timing could not have been more perfect uh, mm. to come home. And so we decided that we were going
0: to stay. And what
1: Putin arrive.
0: And I'm not exactly sure how I thought it would pan out, but I didn't realise really? just how many goons Putin had. Yeah. I seem to recall there was a lot of... So
1: the, the, the lobby, there was sort of two lobbies. There was like a, a hotel lobby on the ground floor, which is where the red carpet was rolled out. And then there was a, a lift that went up to the first floor, which is where the reception was. And I seem to recall us spending a lot of time going up and down in this lift as we were arguing with the hotel management about where we could actually stand to... PAP Putin and there was lots of sort of like, I'm not going to say juvenile pressing of lift buttons, but I feel like that may have happened. We're like, no, we're going down. You can't stop yeah. us going down. We're going outside. You can't stop we're us gonna going outside. We're going to outrun
0: the KGB yeah. by pressing extra lift <laughs> buttons and occasionally using the fire exit, I believe, is yeah. what we thought we were doing. Yeah. And so what we have from that is a lot of video of big, slavish Russian hands pressing over our phone cameras, and my iPad camera. Yeah, 20 minutes. You, you go outside. I have to. Or I will move you. Okay. and Under which authority, though? To mine and my chef. It's the police. You, you go outside. He wants
1: you to go downstairs. No,
0: you go out. Now.
1: We're going outside.
0: No. You, you can't stop outside. us going outside. And you go upstairs. Go. Downstairs. Down, down, down. down. Yeah. Okay, okay. I will go with that. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. okay. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. It's not your foot. It's not you. We're just exercising
1: democracy. Yeah, I think there was quite a lot of argument about the, you know, the fourth estate and the rights of the media in Germany. And I think, you know, we were kind of like arguing on principle that we were staying in this hotel. We could, we were free to move around this hotel as guests of the hotel and they had no right to tell us where we could and couldn't go, even though maybe they did have a little bit of a right, but we didn't see that at the time. Um, and... You know, they couldn't stop us going outside. They couldn't stop us going into a public area, and this was Germany, not Russia. And so we decided that that was the point that we were going to argue.
0: So while I'm just giggling, and namely, that's a, <laughs> that's about it. I'm just giggling. Sarah's actually making a fairly succinct argument for freedom of the press and the importance of the fourth estate in democracy as a whole. So you know, we kind of good cop bad cop them.
1: Yeah, and we <laughs> kind of won. We didn't. We, we. I mean, there was a small victory. We were allowed to stand in a designated spot mm. to watch Putin arrive, as much as the Russians were very unhappy. But it was kind of this there's a lot of time pressure because the hotel management are negotiating with the Russian goons and like Putin's about to arrive. So it's like a matter of kind of minutes for them to try and resolve this situation of these mm. annoying Australian journalists and like what the hell are they going to do? And the Russians can't control us and the hotel management can't ca-
0: control, uh, control us. <laughs>
1: Well, look, you know, there wasn't, they they just sort of didn't have time. So, in the end, they kind of just parked us at this spot, kind of behind a a counter kind Mm. of thing, so we could watch Putin arrive.
0: We thought we did watch Putin arrive. I still think it was here. It
1: was definitely Putin. Yeah. But after he arrived, because the view, view was quite obscured by the goons who were trying to stop us filming and stop us.
0: Watching, Let own, alone
1: papping. Yeah, let alone papping, let alone door stopping. Like that was just, you know, by that stage we kind of probably... Had
0: we were going to settle for a tweet of the back of his head. <laughs> and as we were dining out on this story, actually with kind of the crew who was travelling with us, which from memory, there's a bunch of journos, some DFAT people, and the Prime Minister's personal physician, we were sort of just gas-bagging and telling them about this, while they were all wrapped up securely in bed, how we had a little gallivant, at which point... The the doctor said, "Tell me more about this water that you got saturated in." And we're like, "Oh," insert a name, giggle, which is apparently my <laughs> <laughs> motif. <laughs> um, and he said, "Oh, <clears throat> you see, that's probably penis fassa, meaning it's the water that the." Clients of the sex workers wash themselves in. So goes the tale. Mm. You know, this is what we were told. So what Sarah so agilely ducked and I so <laughs> foolishly got Copped. soaked in was the <laughs> penis water. And the physician was particularly concerned because of the enormous outbreak of gonorrhea that almost always accompanies big wags like a G20.
1: I mean, if you, well... Did you get gonorrhea, Tori? I mean, I think you really need to inform people of this (laughs) crucial fact.
0: I did not. (laughs) However, I was told I would have to get tested for gonorrhea of the eyeballs Mm. because as a mucous membrane, that is where certain things can cross over into your bloodstream. And so after this incredible trip, I had to go to my GP and say, this is what I need, and you know, I still think this could all have I been hope a- you booked a long appointment. Yeah. <laughs> so that was
1: it. That was our that was our night in Hamburg. Mm.
0: We didn't pat Putin, and I didn't get gonorrhea of the eyeball.
1: But we packed a lot in. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was Guardian Australia senior journalist Sarah Martin and Tori Shepherd. This episode was produced by James Milsom, Alison Chan, Chris Muthria and Daniel Simo. The executive producers were Hannah Parks and Miles Mutnioni. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates and that is it for our summer series. Jane Lee will be back with a regular full story on Monday.